So I may be two minutes early, but that's, that'll do okay. Um, Want to have a time of prayer before we get started with our Bible study? And um, just this weekend, I feel like I, I told some of the folks early before we started service, um, I'm not being prophetic or implying that I have some certain word, but I just feel like that we are at a point where we're making another step. And um, so if there's anybody you can invite, of course, do so. Whenever we can expose people to the Word of God and and the church family that loves each other, and uh, that we have great answers for problems in life, I think that we need to get more and more people here. And uh, let's not be the best kept secret in town. Let's be let's be the, the newest uh, explosion. Amen. I'm not talking about numerics of numbers of people, but I I just want to make sure we're touching lives. Amen. So let's pray tonight uh, for just a little bit. Uh, I'm not watching a clock. We're not like waiting until 7.30 to start. It's just whenever we seem to, to break and get back to norm, we'll, we'll pick up and start. Uh, but I do want to say that it's great that you all are here. Thank you for being here. And we can change things in prayer. And, and the Lord is very interested in us praying with, with one mind and being able to be unified and say, that we want God's kingdom to be wrought here in this community. And uh, that is commendable. And if we aren't, who will? And, and we're not here to play programs and, and who has the prettiest church. We're here because we understand, each of us, how the gospel has touched our life and how that we are so blessed. And uh, we want to share that. So let's pray tonight for yourself. Get your heart right. And, and then... Let's pray for the church and what the Lord is doing. I always covet, uh, and I covet your prayers. We need all the help we can get. But uh, the bottom line is, is uh, we have a possibility this weekend with Brother Kraft coming in, and uh, I just trust that he's going to say some things and bless. And anybody that you know uh, that we could invite, uh, we need to do that. And uh, just let them know that, that the services is going on. And, and it's going to be low-key. We're not, no pressure, not, we're not going to be pressuring people. We just want them to explore what God wants to do in their life. Amen? So let's find a place to pray. We'll pray for a little while, and then we'll, then we'll start up our service. And uh, we're going to have a good time tonight.
Jesus, we give you praise and glory. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.
just reminding everyone, um, as the musicians come, that um, Saturday at noon, we'll be meeting in the fellowship hall, and uh, we'll have a wonderful lunch together, fellowship, just come casual or however you're comfortable, and uh, we will, uh, then Brother Kraft will be with us, and he'll just have a word for support of that. And then Sunday morning, uh, as we have a normal schedule, we'll have Sunday school, Brother Kraft teaching in our fellowship hall, and then we'll come in and we'll have church here. And uh, what a great opportunity to invite people. If you can uh, just let people know what's going on, it would be a great encouragement. Again, Brother Kraft is now an older man, but um, uh, things he has seen and been part of and seen what God has done, will be really encouraging. Amen. So God bless you tonight. So thank you for the goodness of the Lord. I once was lost in sin, but it wasn't <laughs> Praise the Lord, everybody. Won't we stand and we'll uh, we'll go ahead and stand and uh, sing a song and have Brother Isaac pick up some offerings so we can pay the light bills, all that good stuff. And let's have good church tonight. Let's worship God and get into it and, and uh, see what God can do for us. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me And then a little light from heaven filled my soul It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole Yeah. 
conversations that are non-productive and you got to get yourself back in line to what you're trying to focus on with them and that's the that's the gospel that's the good news of the gospel and what God has done for me because it's a waste of my time to get into any other conversation with somebody about anything else and there's a verse in Titus that that goes something like the uh, grace that leads to salvation the grace of God that leads to salvation has been seen by all men you know God doesn't hide himself from anybody I mean I take that as, as, as God places something in everybody. You're born with something in you that lets you know that there's a God, that there's something out there, and then your journey is finding that God and finding who God really is. And he's not hiding. If you want him, he is right there. And, and this is a part of it. Bible study and going to church and being around people of, of God is a part of finding God. And, and I look forward to finding more and more of God because he's, everlasting and he's everywhere and I'll never be able to get enough of him and I don't know if I'll ever truly know him for completely until that one day but I'm looking forward to striving to so God bless you brother Erickson yes, sir. Looking forward to it God bless you praise the Lord everyone Not just a good self-help book. If you hear about the latest book, I read it really good. It's far greater than that, isn't it? It is the only book. It is the only message. It is the only saving grace. It is the only help, truly, in time of trouble. Other things, no doubt, have good 
principles behind them, without a doubt. But I want the Lord in my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to open this tonight without a scripture verse, and I'll catch you with it here in just a few minutes, okay? Um, it's just not fair the way life is. I'm Isaac, I'm, I'm here. Brandon, Jeff, I'm here tonight feeling sorry for you. I'm, I'm, I want you to know that life is just not fair because here, <laughs> they don't know what yet. <laughs> I'm trying to extend this as long as I can. When we're young and we're poor and we're dumber than a box of rocks, I count myself to have apprehended. <laughs> and we're ignorant of things going on around us in our world. And we face then, at that time of our lives, we face some of the greatest decisions that will continue to impact our life. Wow. To have to choose a life pursuit at 17, 18, 19 today. I mean, when I was that age, I hate to tell you all the things I was interested in. I didn't have a great point average to, to reconcile it. <laughs> to have to, to think that at that time of our life, we begin to pursue and look in examine what we want to be for the rest of our lives. That's crazy, isn't it? This is not something our parents tell us what to do. I mean, there may be someone who has a good business and they, they want to turn over to their sons, and that's possible, but that's not the norm, is it? The norm is, is that every one of our young people have to go out there and they have to make decisions at such a young age. Then they, they have to they start to pursue and, and have all these desires and, and thinking about life and marriage and children and grandparents and all the spectrum of a world far beyond their vision. And now they have to find the right spouse. A person that's going to stick with them through thick and thin for the rest of their lives. Wow, that is crazy for a young person. To commit my, that I'm going to commit my life to that person. And I don't even know what life is at that point. Isn't that crazy? But I mean, we can't change it. The fact of the matter is, it's what God planned in the seasons of life that he made us. It was these years of when we have our strength and vitality and, and, and stamina and, and all those things and we, and we are, are going to go out and we're going to conquer the world around us. Having that first child, oh, the weight. I don't know about you, but I remember that well. Or the first time I signed for a mortgage. You all reckon, remember that? I think it was only about 30000 but I mean it was a, it was, it enveloped me in, into 
uh, a state of not knowing what I was going to do. Nurturing family, developing marriage, conquering our jobs and becoming what we feel like the Lord wants us to become. All of these things happened at the early stages of a person's life. Of course, I've been talking about the young man, but I really, factually, of course, it's true with the young lady just as much. And it's just the way that God wanted it to be. You may ask yourself tonight, why would God allow that to happen? Well, it's not just parental guidance. We can invest in our kids until we're blue in the face, but they still are going to go out and make their own decisions. They're going to find their own spouse. I tried to find them for my boys, but they wouldn't let me. I could I would have done a better job, I'm, I'm convinced. I shouldn't have said that. That's not true with Drew, who's married. I'm talking about for Joel, who is not married yet. <laughs> That's what I, was what I was referring to that. Sorry. And then, and then the pressures of life and health and, and building for our kids' future. Will, they, will we have money that they could go to college? And, and what will college costs be at that, at that time? And, and, you know, just life has components in it that are built in that every step there's always the unknown of tomorrow. So read with me now tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read most of this chapter beginning with verse number 1. You okay if I read it to you? It's kind of lengthy. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning with 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. And for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day 23,000. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition 
upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The wilderness had a purpose. God meant it and wanted them to be in it. Now, I think length of days of how long they were there was contingent on what lessons they learned or didn't learn. But it should have taught all of Israel to trust the Lord. Every story we can bring up and come up tonight with it and talk about that happened to Israel when they were in the wilderness. Each of them are illustrations that even today are speaking to you and I. But we've got to get the lesson learned today in our life just as they were to learn their lesson when they were in the wilderness. They were supposed to realize how much the Lord took care of their needs. That's what, that was the message. They were supposed to correlate these wonderful works that God did and connect them to his great love for them. Not a hard taskmaster like they left in Egypt. What does God want you and I to learn today. For just as I spoke at the beginning about the unfairness of youth, that all these weighty things come on us and, and, and the decision of our young people will impact their life for the rest of their lives. Will they build on their love and their, and their appreciation of their parents or will they walk away from them? Will they build on principles that will help them to be successful in their future years like education and, and of course, certainly living for God in church work? I'd rather have a young person involved in helping in the kingdom of God for the right motive than any education, any college in our country today. And the reason for that is not that I'm against education, but it's about I'm against the wrong kind of education. And these young people, I'm still speaking of youth here, but they are going to set the parameters. It's going to help them find the right wife, the right job placement, the right things they become involved in, the right things they enjoy, the right things that build them up and make them more and more and more prepared for tomorrow, as opposed to losing all their coins in their pockets. One by one, they sell their souls to things that are bad decisions, bad habits, until finally one day they go searching for more coins, and they're out. Am I making sense? That's what the wilderness was supposed to do. That's what God meant for it, was that Israel would be able to realize that, that 
Each of us are going in our daily lives, and, and we're going through trials and tribulations, but we're supposed to be looking for the love of God. We're supposed to be seeing a kind Father. We're supposed to be uh, admiring the miraculous that He does because He loves us. <coughs> I challenge you tonight to want good things for this church because we have a loving Heavenly Father and not because we want to be like the other churches in our organization. I want you to want the right things for the right reason. I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness, not merely your next good move that you make financially or, or whatever. What does God want us to learn? He wants us to see his kindness, his mercy, and his grace. He wants us to see that, yes, we go through problems. Yes, uh, David and Diane, you all have gone through some horrendous things over the last year or so. But, but don't, don't focus on what the bad part of it. All of a sudden, we're seeing God do incredible things and good things, and thank God for that. We are without strength or wisdom. We must choose paths that are going to affect the rest of our lives spiritually. That's what the whole message is about. And I'm not just talking about good decisions on, on your best job, on the most pay or, or the best location or the best features or the best you know, benefit package. I'm not talking about literally those just monetary things tonight. I'm talking about, oh, what God wants to do in your life, and you build everything else around that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added, in other words, to where you're at. Far more important than your location is the ability for you to hunger for God. Probably I'm not telling anybody here anything that you don't already know. But boy, I need to hear this myself tonight. I need to realize that here I am, 64 years old, and I still am making choices that are going to affect me down the road. They've got to be good choices based on a God who I think likes me, who believes in me, I don't do everything right. I don't want to kid you. But I trust that the Lord can help me through. You see, these things were an examples to us because we now see the working of the church in a greater measure now because not only are we all baptized in the name, in water, and carry us with us repentance. But we also now have that same spirit that dwelt in Christ, dwelleth in you. The same answer that was true in Israel's day, when they came out of Egypt, the Bible said they came out, they came out with a high hand. That, that, that's a statement of talking about their faith and their confidence in God. But along the way, they came to a place called Mara. Simply means bitter. 
and the, and the waters that were there were bitter and they could not drink them. And they said, you brought us out here to die in the wilderness. Take us back to Egypt. At least we had the fish and the cloves and the garlic and the leeks. We may have been slaves, but at least we had a place to live. Somehow they lost sight. That's what kept them going in circles in the wilderness. Do you think you're going to get out from under the lesson just because you fail it? Oh, no, no, no. That's not the way God operates. He says, it's okay. Ding, ding. Round two. <laughs> right? Seek God for direction in your lives. But seek the right thing. Seek in this, in this picture of the wilderness and all the things that we could bring up tonight of that they went through, good and bad. And yet, still, God was trying to give them a lesson that would make them and prepare them for a day when they would enter into a land of promise. They would enter into cities that were already made and built. There would be vineyards and orchards and fields already bringing forth fruitfulness. They did not have to plant and hoe and weed and prepare. They walked into places that had military weaponry already on the wall. They walked into places that had everything in place that they were ready and prepared. But if they failed the test in the wilderness and did not understand that God was in the middle of it because he loved them, then what would happen? And so the prophet would have to warn Israel over and over and over again, beware, lest when you enter into the city and you have all of this sumptuous living, all this easy life, that you forget God. The fact is that we have enough people here tonight to realize that uh, we have many different variables here that we could talk about in our life that we're facing right now. And that's no doubt just the way God wants it to be. But in the middle of it, can I challenge you and tell you tonight, the Lord is interested in you learning some lessons right now. Because it's coming a day. My mom turned 99 today. And she told Annette, one of the women that goes to the church there, two of them help Lori and watch mom, you know, four hours a day just to give Lori a little bit of a reprieve every day. And mom said to Annette, and she said, I never thought I'd live this long. <laughs> Remarkable. But now that she is blind and she can barely hear, I mean, all my younger days, I remember she was, I mean, she had eyes in the back of her head, let alone, <laughs> let alone ears in all directions. She was very capable. But now, if you allow me just to use her for a short example. Here she is. 
in a wheelchair, led about by someone else. Someone has to feed her. But maybe one hour every other day, every third day, she's as clear as a, as a, as a bell. And you can talk to her about the kids and the grandkids, and, and, and she's got recollection. Oh, thank God that at 78 years old, she was living there in Las Cruces, and my sister and brother will have a trailer on the church property. She was renting it from them. And the Lord woke her up one morning and said, Today, I want you to get baptized. Literally, the Lord spoke to her. And she did. She got baptized. And not a week later, she was just in a pew. She, you know, she's Methodist background. She wasn't one to go running down to an altar like sometimes we're, we're more used to. And so she sat in her pew and prayed. And the evangelist came up and sat beside her. And, and um, no pressure. And just prayed with her and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And since that time, I'm just using her as an example because she's unable now. She's only functioning a very small percentage of the time. She has her diapers. And I mean, you know what happens in old age. All those faculties leave us. And yet she has this incredible spirit. I was with her. Elaine and I were there, what, a month or two ago. And and I, we had her up in a wheelchair, and I, I went over and got behind her and got down to her one good ear, you know. And I said, Mom, I want to pray with you. And I began to pray, and, you know, you just feel God, and it's just a beautiful thing. And all of a sudden, man, something clicked in her. And she began to pray and thank the Lord. And I'm just thanking God tonight that there are lessons that can be learned that are going to bless you. They are preparing you. They are set up in order for the test of time that every area of your life you're going to have the answers you have need of because the Lord is a faithful God. But the goal is to love him, not simply to have a want list. I'm really good at bringing Jesus a Santa Claus list. This is what I want. Make sure it's made by Mattel. <laughs> you know. And we, and that's not near as important as to be able to simply take a little bit of time, not maybe the right words, begin to little by little maneuver and massage that, that conversation with the Lord of knowing him more and more, loving him, realizing his love in your life. I know it's a simple message tonight, but I, I guess it was really important to me. You have to perceive his presence, his goodness for you not for the world. 
I can't, I can't be satisfied just knowing that my God made of Tetons and yellow, you know, uh, um, some of these incredible horse and Yellowstone. I need to know that he knows Kevin Erickson and that I have this incredible connection with him. Many Christians are still wandering in the wilderness of defeat and unbelief. They have all been delivered from Egypt, but they never crossed into Canaan to claim the inheritance that was promised them. Some kind of a middle ground where they made a step that was commendable, but they never realized the message of the wilderness for them. There was never a wake-up call that came to them and said, this is why you're here, because the Lord's going to do good things in your life. The Jews were brought, were, were bought by the blood and covered by the cloud, and yet history tells us that most of them died in the wilderness. That's a pretty poor testimony, being that the Lord had promised them something far greater than the wilderness. It's not just enough to come out of Egypt. They had the power of God. They had the love of God. They had the protection of God. They had a God who provided and made manna every morning. And a rock that followed them or gave them water every day of their life in the wilderness. And yet they would not trust him to bring them into the next phase. And that's why I'm talking to us tonight. There is a next place for you, a next step. And you have to appreciate where you are and what God is doing in order for you to be prepared to move into the next realm God has for you. But we are not staying the same. You may look in the mirror and think that you're the same. You may have the same job for, for eons, but, but let me tell you tonight, the Lord is moving us into realms, into steps, not as a whole church, but as each individual, because each of us are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We have the Spirit of God in us. Their unbelief robbed them of enjoying God's blessings. It's like their youth was cut off, like the young man I spoke of at the beginning. And they never made it to their 20s. And then with the hope of their 30s of prospering, and then the 40s of family and possibly grandchildren, and 50s of, of now looking at the possibility of retirement and someday and, and getting their house more and more in order, and 60s of saying, finally my time has come. I don't have to work as much anymore. And who knows what 70s and 80s and 90s are. The first Adam was tested in a perfect garden. Everything fitly framed and in place. And he disobeyed God. While the last Adam, Jesus Christ, was tested in a terrible wilderness 
and obeyed God. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he surrendered his will to God. And it brought salvation for all of mankind and opened the door for incredible things to happen. You have to appreciate the fact that I know that Jesus paid it all. But we are following a process God has in order that we will bless others and will impact lives of many. The disobedience of the first Adam brought sin, condemnation, death upon the human race. But it was the obedience, the Bible says, of the last Adam that brought righteousness, salvation, and life to all who believe. Through the first Adam, death and sin reigned in this world. But through the last Adam, grace reigns and believers reign in life. The greatest news I have for you tonight is, is that it's not over. You haven't messed up too much. You've got a new day ahead of you. And you have to realize that the Lord wants you to Perceive his presence and his love, his direction, his strengthening, his vitality he gives you every day. And by doing so, you will win others for the right reason. You will bring them to Christ and not just to your church. You will seek and save that which is lost and not merely try to find people that will benefit our needs of our facility. Does this make sense? We are in a perfect opportunity here because everything happens inside of your life as an individual and God wants to bless you richly. The wilderness was not a wasted step from Egypt to the promised land. Oh no. It was necessary because there became the responsibility of each individual that they would trust God. Otherwise, all we have are God's promises. But if there's no one willing to obey tonight, to say, I surrender, to say, Father, thy will, not mine, be done, then we really have a lifeless gospel. But the apostle said, Ye are witness, the witnesses. Amen. We have to have, I love going down in Jesus' name. I'll always remember it. I love every day I'm able to get my heart right with God and feel like I'm clean with the Lord. And I love that time, that night, many, many years ago, that the Lord filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I've been learning how to renew and revive that spirit in my life more and more and more because I'm learning some lessons while I'm in the wilderness. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? What were the two things the Bible says that brought Israel to failure in the wilderness? Number one, it was not hearing God, not hearing his voice. They, they just said, 
I'm just going to keep up with the Joneses. I'm just going to do, you know, whatever everybody else is doing. And we'll see what, what Israel's God will do to get us out of this. It's like they, it's like they never had and wanted a relationship with the Lord himself. And the second thing they did that was wrong is they allowed themselves to be deceived by sin. Things came in, and they said, it's okay. It's a small issue. It's only part of my day. It's only this part of my tent. It's only this and nobody else can see. And you have to realize today that part of this pleasing God is they have this pure heart that says, God, I want to be right with you today. I don't want there to be any stuff in the way, any junk in my life. I want to have a pure heart for you today. Would you lift up your hands and love the Lord tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for you. Keep walking in the light of the Lord. You'll get to heaven someday if you walk the right way. Keep walking in the light of the Lord. You've got to keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking in the light of the Lord. You'll get to If you walk the right way, keep walking in the light of the Lord. You've got to keep walking, keep walking, keep walking in the light of the Lord. You'll get to heaven someday. If you walk the right way, keep walking in the light of the Lord.